start off with a prayer sahana bhavatu sahanau bhunaktu sahaviryam karvavahai ஜிடிஸ்ட் I'm trying to look at my notes today. Unfortunately, uh, my laptop is uh, giving me some trouble, but I will try my best. Okay, there we go. So in the last GD, we discussed uh, 2.48, 49, and 50. And uh, uh, basically, um, the couple of things that we discussed. First of all, um, we, dis- we tried to understand what exactly... is work and what is obligatory work and does karma refer to only desire driven action or any other actions that we do in a daily life like you know uh, uh, cleaning and uh, uh, getting ready and you know freshening up and things like that um, then is it only obligatory work that is referred to as karma or desire driven action or both we discussed that and then uh, then there was an interesting question uh, about i feel guilty if i did not do something is it a good test for what our obligatory duty is so we discussed that as well whether it is uh, a good test or not we discussed it and the answer is in sometimes it is a good test and most of the time it is a good test but uh, uh, it need not necessarily be so then there was uh, uh, you know the discussions got centered on a question that ranjini asked about how do you deal with supporting an old parent and also a child we feel conflicted at that point of time and the group had fantastic answers for that and i would uh, encourage all of us to go and uh, listen to the um, uh, last week's gd unfortunately i posted it late um, so there are a couple of answers uh, which which were very very powerful in that so please do listen and basically at the end of it there was this beautiful definition of work sure. karma karma is waiting to get in sorry <laughs> yeah there was this beautiful definition of uh, karma which uh, someone said which is do not avoid do not seek what comes naturally to us to do is our work and that is a very beautiful definition i felt then um, the whole week my 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 week went off in you know thinking about this particular question you know in terms of ajay started off by saying okay hey when there is a conflict can i i asked myself is this the best i could have done and do it if the answer is yes and live with the consequences and that is a beautiful way of uh, uh, stating in terms of how to go about doing the work but then what happened consequently was alpana's comment about you know how to interpret the word i that prompted me to write a blog article i request you to go and read it basically at the end of the day the emphasis on i should go away because the way the karma yoga uh, philosophy talks about in, in gita like what we've been reading is that there is no 
kartrutva or bhoktrutva doership or enjoyership if you if we say that this is i am i am not doing it i am just an instrument of action and somebody else is doing it through me and then suddenly you know it becomes life becomes in, in a flow and it just goes off there was another question um, which from ajay but we parked that question and maybe we'll pick it up today or at a later stage where he talked about okay if uh, everybody develops this uh, karma yoga attitude can human progress actually happen if we did not have those deep desires goals and live life as karma yoga with karma yoga attitude there were some interesting points of view but uh, we parked that particular thing deliberately then uh, there was another question is there anything called a perfect action is guilt an attachment and i think we discussed that there is no there is no action which is perfect there is always going to be uh, all, all actions are imperfect and guilt is sort of an attachment for us unfortunately that's reality of it then we also discussed about how does one choose between what i like to do and what i must do there was this reference to uh cooking and i think it was music or dance i don't remember which one was which one was it that we talked about and there was a beautiful discussion about that that we talked about it um then uh, um then what exactly is krishna is saying when when he's saying you know restful awareness as the word moving from being finite being to an infinite being and that is what takes us beyond the choices and the conflicts that we have where we are restful we are aware and we just do what we have to do then there's an interesting point about conflicting situations basically we we were referred to go back to chapter 1 to look at arjuna's conflict and how arjuna conflicts get resolved to fight or not to fight it was obviously arjuna was also conflicted it was a grave situation for him so how did krishna go about coaxing him to come out of that particular conflicting situation and then the last thing that we discussed uh, according to my notes is that uh, is intellect cover, colored by desires well i think uh, you know then that's where we kind of said that okay we will have to look at uh, maybe visiting tattva bodha or atma bodha at one point of time because um, we have to clearly define what is uh, the subtle body in terms of the various functions of mind intellect memory and ego and mano buddhi chittam ahankara we have to discuss that so the key summary there is that uh, uh, the 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 intellect is never conflicted intellect is presented with choices and intellect dis- decides it could be a wrong decision but intellect is that faculty-ness that decides whereas it is the mind the emotional mind that's always conflicted with choices so what we are trying to do in the spiritual path is to overcome that emotional mind and that's why um, in the previous shlokas that we talked about um, um it talks about buddhi yukto jahati where it is you know resting the mind in the wisdom the wisdom of equanimity do the work so that was the summary of what we discussed i know that i missed several things but um, uh, if anybody else would like to add please let's do that before we get to the uh, today's gd discussions um one other thing there was uh, two words that we said we will discuss today one was krupanaha there was another word that uh, i don't recall uh, which one was it krishna was it uh, something hey, that you mentioned hetu hetu okay okay so we can start wherever that we want to do whether we want to start with uh, beginning with those words discussion or chitra seems to have an interesting question for us and maybe we can uh, uh, start off from there whatever the group decides well i don't know if it's interesting or not but i just read it and you know 
since we were discussing karma yoga i felt uh, there was a conflict in my understanding of what we discussed here versus what that uh, book was saying so i thought i'll bring it up here so i can get some clarity so i can i can go um so basically uh, this person is asking uh, one of the disciple is asking oh guru you know uh, teach me how i can uh, how how can the grace of the supreme being come to me uh, so he said oh simple cut wash and clean uh, so he said you know i can do this at my house why do i have to come to your ashram and do this cut wash and clean uh to which the guru says uh, well at your house it is for yourself for your family so it's all me my child my spouse whereas here when you do it even your enemy could come and enjoy the clean place so uh, you take it away from uh, your <coughs> your eye right um so i thought okay that sounds interesting but then here we are discussing that even the actions we do at home can become karma yoga right where if i do not uh, uh, focus on the uh, outcome uh, of the action and i just do the action whatever needs to be done that is also karma yoga but then definitely when i'm doing that karma yoga even though i might not focus on the action it is definitely for uh, you know the immediate family so i was kind of conflicted are both karma yoga or not so i wanted to bring it to the group great question anyone wants to respond we can come back to it later <laughs> if we need to i i feel until we uh, clean ourselves within the family we can't clean the um society we can't help to clean the society so it has to start within the family whether it's karma yoga that that's all i think family and then then one by one in the family and then then the society i mean in general so whether we are expecting results or not chitra i think uh, karma yoga is an attitude as we have discussed and i think the responsibilities will continue to be there we don't need to go and do outside if we can do well and good but it starts at home we as long in the current phase of life these responsibilities are here to stay if we can handle them with the same attitude as is being taught here you know the same cut wash and clean uh, without an expectation of a particular desired result and you know be equanimous with anything that is coming our way whether from our kids or spouses or anyone else i think even that will prepare us for the next phase so it starts here more to develop that attitude we look for appreciation when we have cooked a great meal at home if yes then that's not karma yoga yep that that's where it starts
No, I, I agree to that part, right? My confusion was um, what was being said there was more like karma yoga is when you do for others and not for your immediate family, even though you don't, uh, or maybe as I think uh, both, uh, both of them are saying, maybe it starts here at home and then maybe it goes out. So you have to, uh, you have to start somewhere. So maybe the starting point is home. Because um, so I was a little conflicted. The, the, the attitude so, of uh, cleanliness has to develop within us, right? So unless that is within us, we won't be able to spread it across. So, a uh, couple of things, uh, Chitra. What, uh, one is, you know, what you decide to do, right? What type of work, right? In, in this particular case, you're asking, hey, if I do something which is more, whose benefit is in, inside the household versus outside, right? So that is the what, what, what is the type of work? And then how is where the attitude comes in, right? The intention as well as um, the um, absence of uh, craving for a specific result. So that is the how um, that is the how part. Now in the what part, I remember Swami P uh, talking about it in his lectures, saying um, the type of work where the number of beneficiaries is greater than one. Right. So I remember this clearly from his talks, where he says, you know, the the one being ourselves. Right. So uh, I try to pick those where the number of beneficiaries is more than one. And as if, if there are, I mean, it's not that you won't be able to, you won't be doing things that is only one, but when we do, if, if it benefits more people, then that would be a good, um, what you say, a filter when we have to choose between this versus that, right? So you have to make a decision between one path versus the other path. Can we apply number of beneficiaries as a filter? So it, that's uh, something I, uh, that has stuck with me. Um, from his lectures. So uh, that, that could decide the what, and then obviously the attitude is a bigger aspect of this, um, which is the how. Alpana, Sakuba. I think Vivek raised first. Vivek, you can go ahead. Um, Vivek. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for the last 20 years, um, and that's how long I've been married, <coughs> My, my wife is a Radha Swami, um, and Radha Swamis have this um, very strong sense of service for others. Now, so they have these centers, and they have, you know, over here in the UK, they have a big estate. They have also in, in Delhi and Chandigarh, and, you know, the main one is in Dera. The, the element of service is very strong over there. There's also a restaurant in Chennai that some of you might know where people, uh, executives show up, I think on a Tuesday or a Thursday lunch to serve, uh, serve they, they, are the, they are the staff who clean utensils and serve people at the no. restaurant. Prices are high as well. Um, so there are, uh, basically this is about building that dispassion for uh, re the results of karma, where you're, you're, you're serving an anonymous people. There's no benefit uh, there's no tangible benefit where you are a beneficiary of the results is, is, is what comes up. It's very hard to do, of course, because, I mean, I, I see that amongst the amount of politics that's there in the, in the Radha Swami 
group is just just incredible. You know what people have to say about each other. So, but 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 that's the effort, right? To 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 bring out this practice of dispassion uh, from the results. So that's my understanding of this session. Alpana. Yeah, no, um, Chitra, what was the first statement from your question? That disciple goes to, how did you start it? Can you just repeat that part? The disciple asks the Guru, Guru, uh, tell me how do I, you keep talking about the grace of the, you know, uh, Supreme. How do I get this grace? Correct, correct. Yeah, I think uh, that's what I wanted to one refer to, that uh, Karma Yoga doesn't directly give it. So Karma Yoga is a preparatory step. So, so I think that's one thing, that when you go to an ashram, um, it's not just the Karma Yoga part you're doing. Karma Yoga is part of the process where you'll do the cleaning and then the grace will dawn. Um, this grace is never a result of an action. I think that's one thing that we need to understand. So that's one thing. That's why I, I, I said while you were saying it, I remembered it, but then I completely forgot what it was. I said there was something. Uh, I think the way this person, um, this person yeah. who'd written it was saying, Alpana, was uh, uh, more uh, the fact that um, because that action cannot give you direct result, the possibility of grace is more. Is that true? That is true. So, okay. so that's one. And then the second thing I wanted to just highlight was actually we were all saying that we started at home, but it's more difficult to start it at home. So even if you go to an ashram and be there for just a week or so, it's much easier to practice it and then get a sense of how it feels to do karma yoga. And then actually you can come back and do it at home. So that's another great advantage of you know, if you're involved with any of the ashram, then you will, one, you'll see a lot many people who've been doing it forever. So you learn from that, that how it is really done. And that is, you know, what Rajesh was pointing to. It is not karma yoga if you are, you know, if any of those things are involved. So, so to feel how it is like that, how people do it. And also in that setting, when you do it, you're obviously just doing for the work because you don't know who the end beneficiary will be eventually, etc. Right. So I actually feel if you've tried it in any of the ashram or what uh, uh, Vivek was referring to Radha Swami or even any of the sick langar, etc. It's a great place to first go and just feel how it feels to do karma yoga, real karma yoga, and then come home and practice it. And then obviously, you know, whatever points everybody was raising is, is, is very, very helpful in deciding and how to do it, yeah. Sakuba. Thanks. I, I have a slightly uh, different view uh, that if you are ignoring, like, you know, uh, there is some, uh, there are some obligations of you or uh, whatever uh, dharma towards your own house, right? I mean, if somebody is um, ignoring that, to serve somebody outside when he has some other obligations at home and he is doing that, uh, then aren't we kind of violating our own sadharma or uh, you may, you know, you're not taking care of what you are supposed to do at home and then you are doing it. So uh, I would go with what uh, Lakshmi was saying that, you know, it, it has to start at home. Uh, 
but yes it is difficult and you know because normally we will uh, you know it is done with the purpose that you know that my family will get uh, benefited out of it and so on uh, but i think it prepares you for doing that so if if, if i if you if, if you're able to do both then it is fine with me but if you're ignoring this and doing that i'm not able to appreciate that can i well just said. quickly add satya one point to what you're saying um uh, about uh, not doing your work at home uh then how do we talk about you know there are uh, families where uh, there's only one son and that son becomes a sanyasi and his duty is actually to take care of whatever you know his parents but we always say sanyasis are much you know obviously they're given their whole life for the bigger i think that's where maybe what kishore was saying was the bigger how many more get benefited versus so versus of just one person right so maybe so chitra we will park the question of sanyasi that's a very uh, challenging topic and we will deal deal with that ajay so no i, I just had a question uh, alpna you mentioned uh, about grace and that grace is not a result of karma yoga uh so i i had a question and an observation so the observation is that i have always understood grace as something that is a consequence of doing good karma uh and swami dayananda in one of his lecture actually talks about the fact that there is nothing called unearned grace and that grace is a consequence therefore of some good past karma so it doesn't come by itself even puja for that matter or doing bhavan uh, or homa whatever is also karma in that sense so my question to you is if it is not karma then how how do you how, how does one get grace so i'm a bit confused sorry yeah. yeah sorry no i think what i was referring to was karma yoga is definitely required for your antakaran ki shuddhi and okay. one grace is also when you do karma yoga you'll still get the results of it right that is the grace which is consequence of the karma yoga which you will anyway get yeah so grace is different i think the grace i was talking here was about the self realization that is never What? an outcome of a particular action so karma yoga is needed for cleaning your antakaran so that you are prepared for that grace to dawn upon you but that grace itself actually is never it's not related to any particular action so so i think if yeah if i was i was confusing them these are two grace that we are talking about Just the grace yogam yoga kshemam bahamyam is a result of the karma yoga that you do which where your needs are taken care of which is more of how you are living but that's not self realization the self realization grace is the one which is not dependent of anything you can only just prepare and that is the teevra vyakulta that uh, swami spg keeps referring to that's the one you need to have to maybe get it one day but when you will get it you never know no, i i get it i i, I was confusing the word grace because grace in my sort of uh, mind was something that's else it is it is linked to your actions then i i understood grace slightly probably differently i don't know i thought going to ashram um where there is all positive energy right you 
um, knowingly or unknowingly get to self-realize, as you said. And that helps to bring back that positiveness home and do whatever actions that you could, um, would you want, whatever actions you would want to take, right? So, or do. That's so, the grace, yeah. like, uh, you know, the sun will always shine, right? And you yeah, will get yeah. the sun. So that is yeah. the presence of enlightened beings that they're just so positive that whether you want it, you don't want it, whether you are a recipient or not, you will still get it. Yes. Yeah. So that's, okay. that's another That's grace. a different, okay. Thanks. That will not give you self-realization immediately unless you are ready for it. That's probably the point. Vidya? I just wanted to add to what Lakshmi was saying, uh, that shouldn't we start uh, at home first and then serve others? I feel it's both ways. We, we, we cannot forget at home. But when we start doing outside, our at-home service also becomes better. So it's like a constant reminder, um, going outside and coming inside, or from inside going outside uh, to serve. And that will make us uh, you know, uh, at a place where we really want to be. And uh, the experience that I'm having is with my kids, um, to explain to them to do certain things at home, I actually tell them to go outside and do that. And that way they are able to understand what I was trying to tell them. Um, because they, when they do service outside or you know, do some volunteering, they are much better when they are inside <laughs> and helping. Like for example, my, my daughter, when she goes outside to teach math, she's much patient when she's teaching her brother math when she comes back home. So, so it, it, otherwise she's ready to, you know, uh, show her, <laughs> you know, bossiness over him. So those are the little things I would say um, I'm seeing, which, which I think we need to do every time. Yeah, well said. Uh, Kishore. Yeah, um, you know, I used to feel that uh, earlier, I used to have this thing that maybe I need to go out and serve, um, as in, uh, you know, in a kitchen or in, in, in places uh, like that. And, you know, and that um, I somehow had to set aside time purely for that. And, and then I realized, um, and I thought I'll share this, that, you know, whatever we do, it doesn't matter, even at work, right? Um, what would be considered work, let's say, uh, can we, sh we should think of that also in the same way. It doesn't have to be service just in, in some um, other uh, like in a charity organization or something like that. I mean, it, it's pretty much anything you do. And a lot of things we do at home, especially if, if we are parents or taking care of uh, elderly and all that is, is actually not for us, right? I mean, it typically is not for us. The beneficiary are the kids, are the family. And then at work, the beneficiary is the organization or the people you work with. So um, if you're doing something that makes it easier for others to do their work and makes their work, uh, you know, their day easier, that's, you are benefiting, your work is benefiting somebody else. So it does not just, uh, it doesn't have to be just uh, about helping at a charity. I just want to point that out. Um, and, and, and hence anything, like I think Krishna and I had a conversation the other day, like, uh, you know, even, you know, he's working on in technology, for instance. So what he does 
is benefiting is going to benefit people later right it has going is going to have an impact at some point um in a in a larger way so we could you could think of it that way too and uh, it doesn't have to be limited to this so i just want to point that out so it could be anything everything that we do rather i just wanted to add one point that uh, i hope i did not confuse i mean i am definitely not saying ignore your household duties i was just saying if you yeah. experience it at an ashram then you know how to do it oh absolutely uh, it is not in response to us I, i i completely get that and yeah. uh, uh, i i just want to point out because it doesn't have to be just about no. um going out and whatever you do that you normally do is 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 my point lakshmi I have a question to Kishore's uh, response. I had I had this conflict always. So, um, uh, of course, service. Some people do service by physically going to that place and or helping out in some way or the other. Would monetarily contributing also be considered as service, though you're not. physically present so i have always uh, yeah. have that conflict is it so is it considered as service or not so we can park this uh, no, or a, we can yeah no it's a, it's it's an interesting question i mean i always felt that uh, i i'll state my opinion and i'm sure others do um when we monetarily contribute obviously um that that to me is also very helpful when you're not able to physically be there to do things no doubt then it comes down to the intention and uh, you know um how we contribute makes becomes an important one there no go ahead go ahead krishna no i just wanted to add to that one thing it also kind of at some point uh, in addition to all the thinking and the attitude becomes a question of economics too say for example doctors and lawyers are extremely well paid so if they are capable of like earning 400 dollars an hour would they like go do a work that's like minimum wage 15 dollars per hour for one hour or should they actually do the real job earn 400 and donate 200 dollars of it right it's like a balance between what you do for the society what you do and how you clean your mind if that maybe that 15 dollars per hour work is cleaning your mind and then is going to aim, help you focus on a larger goal later then maybe that short term hit is worth but other time like if you just want to kind of post for other people and then do it for the sake of it then you just wasted on our you would have been better off just doing your even if it's a lawsuit go do that earn 400 and then donate 200 out of it <laughs> interesting that's a good point i agree with you so uh, vp rajesh yeah so i had a, a... question for kishore kishore what you were saying about the workplace so i always think that because you're getting paid for the work unless until you really go out of your way to help your colleagues or do other things i thought anyway you're getting paid so i wasn't sure if that is How? uh you know part of karma yoga yeah let me give you an example i mean recently and so i work in a startup and uh, you know i run the engineering team so i have around 20 20 odd people right working engineers working on my team so recently we it's a very quick uh, story um uh, this we love stories okay uh, just to relate it to something practical right so um um you know we, we we did a release and we ended up breaking a few things so multiple customers got affected they um they couldn't do their work for one week um 
So, and a and lot of angry customers and whatnot, right? So uh, we had to take the hit and take whatever uh, action that had to be done. Uh, so, and eventually I, I spoke to the team and said, this is what I said, basically saying, and most of them are very young. Um, and I said, see, what we, what we do has an impact uh, on people, even if it's a smaller set in this particular case, we are a startup. But, um, you know, when we, um, when we do this really well, we are, we are making um, our customers, they are productive, right? And they are able to do their work and get home. And, you know, they, they feel good that they have done their job. And then they're not calling into a customer support team. And, you know, these people, the customer support team are having to take these very angry calls and their day is spoiled because of that, right? And, and so on, and it just cascades. So I said, if we do our job really well and do what needs to be done, then all of this just works together. So to me, as an example, even if you're getting paid, you're, you're doing your job so well that uh, you're making so many others it doesn't seem like it, but when things go wrong, that's when we start noticing, right? Just like, um, I, I think, uh, again, Swami P uh, uh, says this, you know, you never know you have an ankle until you've broken it, right? And then you realize, oh, there is a knee and there is an ankle. In the same way, you know, until you broke things, you did not realize the impact of what you do. But now you realize the impact of what you do. Now that you know it, let's make sure how many people are affected by this. Let's make sure we do a good job. Not that we didn't, we inadvertently broke it, obviously. But then let's make sure we do a good job, so these people have a uh, can do their day job really well, right? So to me, that is an example of um, uh, of again thinking thinking bigger, not just yourself, right? Good one, Vidya. Sure, whatever you said reminded me of the last three like three words of uh, you know Sukhya Shloka, you know, yoga karma shu. Kaushalam. Yeah. Dexterity in action, right? Basically, in, in whatever you do, you do that, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, um, uh, we do it well, but also with that, that attitude, right? Of uh, In this case, also you're serving people just that you don't see these people. You don't even know who these people are, but you are, right? So, yeah. Vidya? Satya, very well said. Uh, I want to go back to what Lakshmi and uh, Krishna said about, you know, you earn 400 per hour and then you want to do $15 per hour. When we think about in dollars or to me, it looks like you are again doing for the money. So there's a material um, factor. Why would you even think that if you if you are doing your work, it shouldn't bother you. Um, so I, somehow for me it doesn't <laughs> it, it doesn't jive in very well um, to do like let's say you said Krishna a doctor serving and if they are thinking that they are doing the work with their karma yoga or buddhi yoga however you call it um, then whether they are serving in a gurudwara or taking care of patients to me it's the same thing and uh, so I just wanted to you know maybe discuss on that. No, totally agree. I do not necessarily say that. if they wanted to do that, that's totally fine. But just to kind of take into account also the needs of whatever the organization is, right? So maybe there is a this donation organization and you tell them, hey, do you want me to rather or rather ask yourself, 
what what would they say like do you want my work for one hour that's worth $15 or do you want my $200 check right now what would they say so it's to kind of just serve them the best way uh, that's possible that's what i was just uh, alluding okay. to okay yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit sort of uh, <clears throat> sorry uh, it's a little bit krishna uh, looking at it from a different vantage point i mean i would not want to say see i mean just for my own sort of uh, inner development i wouldn't want to think about what the organization wants the key thing would be what do i want or what would help me in my journey so you know for example giving money in my sort of opinion is probably the easier part committing time is the harder one and with time it is not just about the 15 dollars that you know it might be worth in monetary terms what it is it worth to you from a personal development point of view and from your own chitta shuddhi perspective i think that's probably is more important so uh, i i yeah. see the point you're making but i i guess it needs to be approached more from you know your own perspective as opposed to what somebody else wants yeah ajay i i agree with you that that's i think that's uh, more important because i've seen by just donating money i don't know what's going on behind the scenes but when i donate or uh, volunteer my time i i get much more than what uh, i just donated in money maybe it's like 10000 dollars in money is nothing compared to you know 10 hours of my volunteer work vivek so um there is an interesting movie i saw last week i wasn't sure whether you asked this group its views it's called um nothing but the truth if you haven't seen it i think it's on netflix or amazon one of the i think possibly netflix um well worth seeing that and then we should bring it i think because i'm hearing uh, quite a lot in relation to that um the movie if i can just hint is uh, it it's it's to me it's about karma yoga and dharma yoga and the unintended consequences of pursuing that so so uh, that's that's my suggestion to uh okay we'll check that thing out so um you know i had you know i'd i'd been thinking all the wonderful points what we what we've been discussing right so i want to go back to what chitra was asking you know, grace and then karma yoga that uh, that's the context right so the way that you know in my mind i uh, i separated this these things out and i understood these things a little better than what it was before in the past for me here is how i understood it so um think about this uh, first of all you know uh, if we are if a farmer is tilling the land okay nothing will come out if there is no seed in the soil okay and assuming that there is a seed you keep on the farmer tills it well waters it well the seed has no other way than to germinate and become a tree there's no it doesn't have a choice now the question is do we have the seed in us the seed of who we truly are each one of us have the seed within us so where is the problem the problem is in tilling the soil watering it properly and creating the right circumstances for it to grow okay that's where the mind the circumstances given to us our mind has to be irrigated properly and made that that environment created for that inner seed to sprout and that's the that's the problem what we are all facing today 
right in on the spiritual path that is the path that we're taking in the chitta shuddhi that we talk about that is what is the most important thing so you know that's one part of it right that's when the grace will start coming in because the grace is already showering everywhere it's just not showering in our patch of the land that's all it is right that's one point second point is second point is you know in terms of uh, you know whether uh, work done within the family is work uh, and uh, doing somebody else outside is work and all that you know here is how i i rationalized it does not matter what life situation we are given in whether it is we are part of a family part of an organization or whatever it really does not matter at the end of the day that's a circumstance given to us right yeah it may be true you know we may attach saying that this is my family my child my wife my husband and you know we can give all those labels but at the end of the day we are doing work for quote and quote at this point of time whom we consider as somebody else beyond not not my own self it's it's a, it's a reality you know no one can say you know uh, maybe the baby is born and the baby is uh, initially the way the baby is less than 6 uh, months old or whatever the mother or the father doesn't consider it any different than than oneself but there is a certain point of time when uh, the baby is different and you are different for sure right and at that point of time we cannot say you know this is you know i am doing it for uh, that that kid is mine and then i'm doing it for mine nobody argues like that we just say okay yeah it's a different being and you know i am going to take care of that particular person because it is my responsibility and i do it so what i'm saying is that you know the circumstances given to us already determine you know we are we are already drawing the boundary of who we are and what the whole circumstances is given to us is is to expand that boundary and the in my in my mind the institution of marriage the institution of having children okay is a perfect training ground for us to start expanding beyond that limited self to go one step forward and then one step forward then one step forward that's how i think about it but this gives wrong ideas rajesh one marriage one some grace So, <laughs> <laughs> i didn't that was a law of unexpected unintended consequences i did not expect and, that and, and and that's perfectly okay that's perfectly okay rajesh <laughs> i was just going to say this whole notion of grace uh, isn't it uh, more of a receiver problem rather than a transmitter problem i mean you know if the brahman is anyway pervasive and always there then we are the ones who are not you know working towards receiving it as opposed to uh, being out there exactly that's why that's why i probably used that analogy i said that you know our patch of land is not being tilled properly so that the grace is not the rain is not falling right on. and alpana right. used the other analogy sun is always shining it does not matter on whom it shines right you know it's it's the same the point is that it's the it's not a transmission equipment problem it's a receiving equipment problem yeah mm-hmm. right in fact uh, uh, like it now then it's not even a receiver problem because we are brahman but we just don't know it <laughs> sorry <laughs> in fact uh, you know that's something uh, vp that relates to uh, the the word that alpana was intending to discuss around kripana and uh, <clears throat> that's how i understood kripana actually which is that it, i mean the literal meaning is miser and 
we look at miser from more from a monetary perspective of course but uh, a miser is somebody who has something but doesn't use it whether it's money or a skill right and uh, this is exactly the thing about uh, the grace which is it's there you know we are humans we are intelligent folks uh, it's kind of there for the taking it's everywhere yet we don't take it and to me i don't know kalpana how you kind of uh, uh, you know want to explain it but kripana in a way is you have it it's everywhere but you don't use it and that's the tragedy of uh, of i mean that that's that's the nature of uh, you know the the whole samsara if you will you said it very well so rajesh yeah and i think swami spg this is very harsh language in this actually it's shankaracharya who uses that we are given this human body to self realize and if we don't use it for that we are the biggest krupan exactly i like that and to add to that i learned that the, the word krupana is also the same root word that in chapter 27 karpanya is also defined from the same that to the same correct expect krishna to make those connections word connections <laughs> Uh, Kishore, your your hand is raised. Yeah, just a, a point about a talk I was listening to. So th- this is another Swamiji that I'm, I've been listening to recently, uh, Swami Tad Tad Atmananda, who is also a disciple of uh, uh, Dayananda Saraswati Ji. And uh, anyway, long story short, uh, I, I've been listening to his Bhagavad Gita discourses, and he made a good point. Last uh, last week we did talk about uh, desires, right? And um you know desireless action uh, did come up and we said hey oh, how can we do something without a desire what does it mean um and according to him again i'll just put it as a point of view uh it's that uh we all if you're not enlightened your actions are with a certain desire so desires are present ragadvesha is present um and we end up doing that with desire no doubt um however uh, this whole process is to blunt the effect of that and and to slowly reduce it right over a period of time uh, when when he says uh, the karma yoga side is the attitude helps to reduce the desire and he spoke about something very interesting um again uh, he said there are two types of desires the binding desires and non binding desires right so um a swami p talks about it quite a bit as well in his lectures uh binding desires are ones where if you don't get it right when you you're craving for something and you don't get it you suffer right there is suffering associated with it non binding are the ones where if you it's more like a preference if if it is there you would prefer to do x if if it's not there it's okay right so um he's saying the the process of in karma yoga is to convert binding desires to non binding desires so an example being if a child uh, you know uh, is craving for a toy and if the toy is not there it cries and it's suffering obviously or it's craving for a certain type of food uh, a fruit loop a cereal or something and it's you're not giving it to her and she cries and there is suffering however then at some point you grow over that and you no longer are craving for the same toy the toy is there but it doesn't uh give you any um 
uh, any joy whatsoever. And you've grown over that and you've, you've now craving something else, right? It might be a, a, a bike or it might be a, a car later and so on. So uh, to be able to convert this, uh, so the, the toy now has become a non-binding desire. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's okay. But it wasn't the case earlier. So he says the process is then to have another desire to overcome the previous one, right? So the previous one went away and now you're going after something else. Now, what is that new one? Eventually that new one, that other one has to be the desire for self-realization because once that is there, everything else then becomes non-binding, right? So when your goal is set to that higher thing, then whatever you do, right? Whatever desires are there, they become non-binding. The desires are there, but it's not holding you so tight. It's, it, it's not binding you uh, as it was earlier. So that's a shift in attitude. He was explaining it in a slightly different way. But I just, um, I was, um, I realized that it, you could connect it really well with the path of self-realization because then your, your goal becomes that. Then anything you do, even if those desires are there, you ask yourself, okay, I'm having to do X, Y, and Z, which I really don't want to do or I don't like to do it. But then if you set yourself as saying, okay, now this is a path, but hey, where do you want to go is, uh, is the self-realization, then this is nothing. Well, let's take care of this too, right? So it becomes that way. You can convert it. I just thought I'll share it uh, here. And, and here, is a gentle, here is a gentle plug for Chaturumasa. That's exactly what we try to do. You know, we try to take the food from being a desire to a preference in Chaturumasa. Makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's awesome. Muku. And Chaturmasa starts from day after. Muku. Yeah, th thanks, Rajesh. Thanks for the plug there. <laughs> uh, I think building on just a perspective, I think what Kishore said, right? So just the, uh, the way, the, at least the perspective I have on this Karma Yoga, the framework is, uh, you know, the desire is... Um, to self-realize, then the technique, karma yoga is, is the canvas uh, or a technique given to us. Um, I'm, I'm going to use the analogy, you know, the, the, the core of this whole uh, technique is, uh, as, as I kind of understand, is uh, an identity one, right? So there's a drop of water which belongs to the ocean, but the drop feels it's a separate identity, right? It's, it does not understand it is connected. It's part of the ocean. And that's where all the struggle comes, right? So when we do most of the actions, uh, <clears throat> if we are hinged on the identity of I am the drop of the water and perform that action, then um, the objective of karma yoga is to move away from that or take us eases from that idea. I am the drop, the independent separate drop, which is not part of anything hanging around, struggling for everything uh, and convert just to the idea that I'm part of a larger ocean. Uh, so the, the framework of karma yoga operates or, or gives us a technique to move from being independent identity, I'm separated, to I'm part of the ocean. Um, so that's the framework. So whether the action, so the, it gives us when you try to act without, a, you know, all the words of uh, desire, greed, I and mine, all of that. The, the, the central part is uh, the focus is dropping or dissolving that identity. The action one does, whether at home, because we can act at home that way, or we can go to an ashram and also have, oh, I am the, I am the greatest servant. Uh, I am the humblest person. Uh, I make $400. I come here and 50. that is also an identity, right? 
so if the context does not understand the understand that i am dissolving the identity then i think the essence of karma yoga gets lost so the really the focus is not where you do what you do but what the science is science is dissolving that identity move the body the hands the everything without without that identity being involved i think i just want to call that out right otherwise we can get caught in whatever you do it strengthens the identity in some way right sometimes when you go some sanyasis have the greatest identity right i mean you can see all of that the essence the science is really dissolving that identity and you know whatever helps us you start form whether you start outside the technique is very independent but the 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 focus needs to be on dissolving the identity uh, and that is if that gets missed then the karma yoga gets completely lost just this a perspective there so beautifully said it all starts with uh, the self identity and what we think it is albana you go ahead first rajesh you raise it okay so um, just to um, uh, i think i don't remember who um, brought up this particular thing um, about uh, uh, you know maybe it was lakshmi's question i guess um, where i read about this is about you know donation right you know how do you donate and uh, time and all that stuff right different types of things that we would donate so i believe uh, i read it read this somewhere it stuck in my head and maybe i will uh, just share it here the only three things that we can uh, that we can donate to um, to others okay i have to be careful using the words these days now um, so uh, the, the 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 three things are basically the uh, time money and knowledge okay so uh, when i say money it could mean money or objects that money could buy that's that com- comes under that particular category then time and knowledge so these three are completely orthogonal to each other so um, you know at any point of time if you want to donate you got to figure out whether you know what is it that you're donating whether you're donating your your time and if you're converting the time into 400 dollars 15 dollars then what are you donating you need to figure that thing out so if you're donating time time is donated if you're donating money money is donated or objects are donated whatever that is if you're donating knowledge you're donating knowledge so you know at the end of the day you know this framework helps me in my mind to say okay there is a way there's a method to the entire madness at the end of the day it's all about you know tilling your tilling the uh, the land in the in the mind to make it fertile and this is a framework that you can use to donate whatever that you want to choose go ahead alpa yeah no i i actually wanted to uh, you know what muku was saying about the karma yoga actually next two shlokas are very nice as to when do we know that we are progressing on this karma yoga thing and is it working or not so so i thought i'll just um, bring the attention otherwise normally we just finish the class and we don't touch upon the shlokas themselves so there are three key words which i wanted to just highlight from them uh, the two are in the 42nd verse shrotavya and shruta so shrotavya is what is yet to be heard and shruta is what is heard and what it really refers to when we say what is heard is what we've experienced in the past so all our you know whatever experiences we had whatever relationships we have had so far so anything we have experienced so far so in that and then shrotavya is what is yet to come so anything you know it it also includes all the anxiety etc what if only if all those questions that come to us 
they all refer to uh, Shrotavya. And what it says is when we think that in either of these two situations, the, either the Shrotavya or Shruta, if we are, it says dispassionate about it. If we begin to be dispassionate about that, then we should think that Karma Yoga is working or what we've been trying to do, it's doing its work. So it's more of the Vairagya in past and the future. So, so that's, that was one thing which is highlighted in the 52nd Shloka. And then in the 53rd, the Shruti Vipratipanna, the literal meaning is different Shruti. So we know there are like six schools of thoughts in our, in our, um, in our Hinduism, uh, which follow the Vedas, the, the primary one. And sometimes they're contradictory. And so, you know, people get confused by that. So I think what it is saying is, even after hearing that, if you can be established in the two poise, then you are in Karma Yoga. The deeper meaning is, you may not even go to these, because see, nowadays, who even goes and finds out about the, these six doctrines and uh, see whether they are contradictory or not. So what it actually refers to is uh, the five senses and the inputs we are getting from those five senses. Sometimes they are contradictory. So if we are equipoised in whether they are contradictory or not, but those bombardments that that's coming through all these five senses. If we can be um, nishchal, nishchal is the word it used. That means it's not moved by, there are no ripples created. So if we are steadfast in that, then Karma Yoga is working. So, so I thought, you know, I'll just highlight from the two, these three words are quite key, which are literal meaning may not give, you know, exactly what it's trying to say, but this is what it means. Yeah. And no, well summarized, uh, Alpana. Now, while I'm at it, uh, I think, uh, uh, Krishna, you want to go ahead on Hetu? <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. Uh, so there are uh, two meanings that I saw. Uh, one is like in the, so Ma Karma Pala Hetur Buhu was one. And then Kripana Pala Hetavaha. So it's the motive for fruit uh, that that is prescribed against. Don't, don't do that. And the two nice interpretations I saw was, so one in the Swami C book, which says, um, when you do an action, the action should be its own reward. So you do not have to go for a separate reward. So that is one reason. But another very profound reason is uh, that, that I read elsewhere is, uh, so in, in Sanatana Dharma, again, we define karma as three ways. We kind of think mostly as only the doing, but it is kaikam, vachikam, manasam. So what you say, what you think is also considered an action. So when you are not doing your current stuff and you are thinking about what the future is going to be, you are actually doing an action that you are not supposed to be doing. So that was the, the other thing. Like when, when you think about the fruit of the, uh, the action that you are currently doing, you are actually spending some other action thinking that, that you should not have been doing. And hence, it says do not, do not be attached, attached to the motive because it distracts you from doing well what you are currently doing. So I thought that... Yeah. That was very uh, well, well uh, described. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Chitra, maybe Chitra, you know, I think uh, the Swamiji uh, who advised the disciple was saying, I'm going to teach you to cut when you're cutting, to wash when you're washing and clean when you're cleaning. <laughs> right, right. And I just wanted to add one more thing on the Hetu part. Yeah, so, so Hetu also means the cause. So don't think you are the cause. Don't claim the result because you are not the cause. So... So if you can remove that part, that's also, you know, don't try to be the Hetu, um, Hetu of that. So that's why these 
yeah, some of the key words from these shlokas. And I hope you you have seen Manu's post yesterday, right, about Paulo Coelho's uh, alchemist. Exactly what Krishna you were saying echoed echoed that. Yeah. It was actually on just related to this general topic. Uh, I was reading a small passage by Marcus Aurelius. And in that, uh, they say, like, sometimes we tend to think, oh, if I had this or that or in a different position or were a different person, then I would be able to execute my karma yoga and bhakti yoga much better. But in that, he specifically, but coming from the stoicism angle, he says that, no, whatever you are right now is the perfect lab for you to try out all your experiments and do your duty and, and practice whatever philosophy you are doing, which I thought was also very profound. It kind of says the same thing for us also. We tend to think, oh, but my difficulties are all very diff different from what you are saying. So for your, uh, actually uh, uh, connecting to that in, in one of the things when uh, Arjuna says, uh, oh, I am asked to kill Bhima and Drona. So he actually calls Krishna Madhusudana and Arisudana. So it's the slayer of the demon Madhu and slayer of the demon Ari. So it's again, uh, the nice interpretation is like, oh, you killed only demons and really exceptionally bad people. But I am asked to kill my teacher and my grandfather. So he kind of poses it in a, in a uh, uh, asking way, like he's seeking advice. But at the same time, he's also, there is this intention saying, oh, that is different thing. You are asked to do the easy killing, but I'm asked to do a very hard killing. And, and uh, but, but yes, but the, the point is that whatever position we are in, whatever we have to do, that's the, the best place for us to practice um, all the way down. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, just, so just a curious question, you know, of course it's not, um, you know, no need to answer if uh, you are uncomfortable with it. So how many of us actually do karma and how many of us actually do karma yoga? on a daily basis? Mostly karma. Mostly karma. Rajesh, we are still trying to figure out what is karma and karma yoga. <laughs> the honest truth is it's mainly karma. You're so right, Chitra. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, Rajesh, I would say mostly karma, but kavi kavi karma yog bhi ho jata hai. Doesn't Heisenberg's principle apply here? That moment, moment you acknowledge something as karma yoga, that, that is, you know, is different. I was about to say. <laughs> it, it, it changes, right? <laughs> so, so, VP, you I know. I think in our mind, we do well. karma and uh, actually what we are doing is karma yoga. <laughs> but but I'll, I'll I'll tell you uh, you know how karma yoga is recognized uh, in, in in normal day practice. If many years, if somebody you meet somebody and they say, you know, many years later you said this and did that and that had an impact on me, good impact on me. That might be classed as a recognition of karma yoga. But then the so I've had that many times. times. Does it go away? <laughs> I still have. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I meet people from time to time, and you know, I, I mean, I think I've said, shared this that I meet people accidentally. So, you know, just last week, actually, there's uh, before moving to Delhi, I was in Bengal, and one of my 
school juniors is a uh, is is a very celebrated chef in in London. So they had an event in the restaurant, and I went across. And we uh, we didn't really know each other very well at school, but uh, you know there was there was we 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 thought of uh, teachers that we had in common. And it came out, you know, what we learned from them and stuff like that. So, so that's that's where it comes up. Particularly with teachers, it happens, but often with people as well. Um, so my one example is, you know, we we have a common uh, classmate here, Vidur. When I met his father for the first time when we were in college, um, he had a he had this really firm handshake being from the army and stuff. Right? I mean, I still remember that handshake and what that conveyed to me, and you know what that has taught me over, over time. It could be some, something similar like that. He didn't probably think, I mean, that's what he, he shook hands with everybody in the same way. He didn't think about that. But it, it had a lasting impact. On me. And my, my hand also pained for a long time. Ajay? Yeah, no, this question about sort of, are we doing karma or karma yoga is, is, is a, is a, is a question that is asked often and uh, I was reading somewhere as to what is what what indicates whether you're doing karma or karma yoga and there were five uh, things that uh, that's like a test right so the first one is uh, you know are you doing it with samatva buddhi or samatvam so are you equanimous in the way you are approaching the karma the second one was swadharma which again is a word, all these words we've gone through before. Second one is Swadharma, which is, am I doing my duty? Am I doing the right thing? Am I following Dharma? Uh, the third one is Samarpan, which is an act which is unselfish, which means that you're doing it without the influence of your own ego. Uh, so that's Samarpan. The fourth one is Asangha, which is, are you attached to the... Are you doing it with a sense of doership or attachment? Or are you doing it uh, without sort of the, the sort of, you know, the, the, the impact or the, or the influence of, 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 uh, of attachment? And the last one, again, we've heard about, spoken about that, is that what is your attitude in terms of the outcome? So are you kind of doing it with the prasad buddhi or not, which is... Uh, you know, accepting all outcomes as they happen because you don't have a, have a right on the, on the outcome. So I found this framework uh, very simple, just to repeat them, Samatvam Buddhi, Swadharma, Samarpa, Asangha, and Prasad Buddhi. Please post it on the group chat. I will, I'll write a short note on this. Yeah. I, I kind of found this very, very helpful. So, um, so just to continue on whether we are doing karma or karma yoga, VP, I think uh, to, to your point, you know, um, the reason why I, um, I I liked what you said was that, you know, if if you start looking at uh, uh, looking at how we do our work, and let's say X percentage of our work, our karma, we converted to karma yoga deliberately, then I think it releases a huge amount of energy within us. Actually, try it, and that's what I would think, you know, will motivate us further to convert, you know, bigger and bigger portions of our work into our karma yoga. Till you realize you're neither doing karma nor karma yoga. Absolutely right. 
absolutely right so if if i can rephrase this if you don't if you do something and you don't even there's no thought attached to it that does that become what you are saying no 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 yeah, you have to attach all the thoughts to do the work what you what you need to do but no, i mean after the action you don't remember oh i did this and because of this this happened you've just done it at that moment you've done what you have to do you were totally there and then you've forgotten uh, not forgotten you just move on you know it's it's you don't have to forget it you don't have to forget that you know you have done something for somebody it's okay it's okay to remember it but expecting something out of that particular thing to come back to you as a benefit is what is uh not the right training you can you can remember you know some people have powerful memories and like uh, you know some others uh, and i fall in the second category uh, you know it's 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 okay uh, to remember everything elephantine memory as people call it but the point is that elephantine memory should not trouble you saying that oh i did this to this person on that day he did not even acknowledge that then that's uh, you know ex- there is a certain expectation built into what you were doing ah so either you forget or if you remember don't have any attachment to it this is what you're saying even forgetting also is a problem oh i forgot what i did to that person but that person did not even acknowledge that's also a problem what i'm saying is you know forgetting or remembrance is not the issue the, the issue is being attached to expecting something is the issue so uh, rajesh uh, in my mind i always think if i'm attached to something only then i remember otherwise i don't remember no sometimes you know some of these deep driven fears we don't remember it but we are attached to it there are some people you know you think about it really i'm telling you there are people who are scared of snakes there are people who are scared of water there are people scared of heights hmm these are all comes because of attachment to those fears or attachment to the fear attachment to those fears attachment to those situations you know that cost them if you just say you no know, oh nothing is going to happen okay maybe i drowned one day but doesn't mean every time i see water i'm going to drown that's the attachment that we are th- that we're talking about it i'm not able to understand but maybe it will take some time <laughs> what i understood was when you do your work attach yourself to the body when you don't do your work attach yourself to the sadarma uh, swarupa you know that is how you uh, forget your i mean i mean don't bother about thing when you get attached to your body you think you memorize and uh, you have all the things the moment you attach to your swadharma you forget your body when you moment you forget your body mind you forget what you have done also that is what i i learned i understood that way yeah i i can understand what you're saying a bit better <laughs> maybe it will take time it's okay <laughs> i don't have to understand everything in one go <laughs> okay so we can start with shloka 51 52 53 now <laughs> what what we planned to do for this gd <laughs> so we we got another 15 more minutes so i think alpana you summarized it pretty well in terms of taking some of the key words and talking about uh, you know what it means uh, shrota vasya and shrutasya and then shruti vipratipanna and um, 
I think the key the key learning that I've had is, and I think um, in the in the in the few slokas that that we've been reading so far, right? I think the most important thing that comes to comes to my mind is, you know, uh, Krishna is telling Arjuna at the end of the day, you got to develop that equanimity. And here is this tool in your toolbox that we are going to give you. It's called Karma Yoga. Do this. Keep doing this. Yeah, you may falter at multiple times. That's okay. But over a period of time, this is bound to give you that particular result of developing that equanimous mind. That's how I kind of, you know, can summarize this entire set of maybe about seven or eight slokas, right from 2.47 to 2.53. So in, in shloka 52, there is a word used called nirvedam, which is, uh, I think, a word which kind of essentially talks about dispassion or vairagya, right? And I think the way I understood it is that you have, you know, it, it goes back to our sort of sadhana chatushtayam and dispassion and vairagyam, that vairagyam is a critical kind of, uh, uh, you know, attribute which needs to be, you know, uh, imbibed to transition from karma yoga to jnana yoga. Uh, and uh, and we all kind of experience it in some shape or form. So often, you know, it could be, you know, both in a positive and a negative way. So often we would, if we have like a bad day or, you know, we've had a bad experience, we are like subchordu, you know, we kind of, that's kind of one form of negative vairagyam. Or you also have a situation where you would kind of, if you're really well, if you do something really well, you kind of won a big award and you would forgive everyone, right? Which is also vairagyam, but in, in the right sense. But the point, the, the challenge with both these examples is that it is temporary. When we feel good, we are in a vairagya mode. When we feel terrible, we kind of want to sort of leave everything aside. But the key thing is how do we develop sort of permanent uh, vairagya, which then, which at least the way I understood it is that that would help sort of transition from being a karma yogi or or or. or being, being a karma yogi essentially will try and take you on the path of vairagya, which will then lead you to, to, to jnana yoga. That's how kind of the framework I understood it. And I kind of resonated with me because this whole vairagya is something we've heard for the longest time. And I was trying to see how do you kind of build it into, the, into this whole framework of ultimately kind of reaching self-realization. Well said, Dajay, and that's what I think you rightly said. That's why these two shlokas are what will happen if you're, if you're doing karma yoga well. That is what it is trying to say. So you will have vairagya for the shrotavya and shrutasya. So whatever has happened and whatever is coming going to happen, you're dispassionate about it. Yeah. That's and then just to add to that, uh, Swami, SPG said a couple of very nice phrases, which again sort of made sense to me. He said the, the problem that we all face is of what if, uh, which is essentially, if I do this, what will happen, which is all sort of premised around fear, right? And then the second phrase is, if only, if only this happened, I would get that, which is sort of centered around temptation. And, and, and he describes, uh, you know, you know, the whole transition from, from towards self-realization as transcending the what if and the if only kind of 
thought process that we all have. Uh, because that again, it comes back to the earlier point I was making about Vairagyam, because if you can get past these two sort of uh, feelings or thoughts, thoughts, then you can move further, which is kind of kind of things that hold us back in, in some ways. No, well said. I like that. What if and if only. Thank you for that. Kishore, your hand is raised. Yeah, just uh, some more thoughts on, on uh, this passion, right? <clears throat> so in uh, Tattva Bodha, if you remember, uh, it, it talks about discrimination as one of the steps, right? As in fact, the first step. And then comes this, uh, it leads to this passion, right? I, I, I just got a little bit more clarity on, on that. I, th I just thought I'll share it, which is, you know, when we uh, find ourselves, let's say, um, we, you know, we, we do have desires and when you look and, uh, you know, you catch yourself in a moment where, hey, you are craving for something. Let, let's say you, you've became aware of that craving, right? Um, and happens once in a while, at least, right? We, we are able to catch ourselves craving for something. So th the question then would be, can we ask ourselves, why am I doing that? Why am I cra craving for it? What am I going to achieve if I, if I did get that, right? Um, so that's the part of discrimination angle saying, okay, I'm, I'm strongly craving for this. Um, I'm not able to will it away. I mean, craving or this kind of desire cannot be willed away, right? It's not going to, I, I cannot say I'm going to just destroy my desires. That's suppression. That's not going to, it might work for a, a short period of time. It's not going to go away. Those desires are deep seated desires, right? So it's going to keep coming up. It's going to keep coming up. Uh, given the right circumstances, it's going to come back up. And it's going to, again, you're going to be aware. So the question then would be, how do you transcend those uh, desires then would be to, 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 to apply a sort of discrimination, which is, okay, I'm craving for this and it's happening again and again. Uh, let me, one, let me accept it, acknowledge it. And then to see, how, uh, why, right? Why, why, why am I doing that, right? What is it going to lead me to, right? And then let's say you arrive at, okay, if I do this, then I'm going to get that. Now ask yourself, okay, now that you have that, you're, you, you've achieved something, what does that give you, right? And then play it out. And, and this type of uh, inner dialogue will help us, which is the discrimination part, right? We'll realize that, Hey, what I'm really craving for is is not going to give me what uh, the the happiness I seek or the uh, the bliss I'm seeking. Even if it does, it's going to be very short term, right? So you arrive at that uh, conclusion, but when you arrive at that conclusion and when you are internally convinced of that, that's when the desire goes down multiple notches, right? So it has to be this indirect path, not the direct path of saying I'm going to suppress it. Right. So, uh, you know, again, quoting from a personal story here, very, um, and I was tying this to my personal story, which is that of, um, again, VP Rajesh, uh, I, you're going to hold me. Um, Wine. Uh, yes, exactly. Now, the thing is this, though, um, the, there was a strong uh, desire. There was a strong craving for it. Uh, I think I've mentioned this was Dupia. I used to have a drink pretty much every day for the last 20 years. So there was a strong desire. However, uh, the uh, so instead of suppressing it, the the whole point was, hey, I I really started meditating, and that meditation of the following day was the higher goal in this particular case. It's not self-realization yet, but you know the meditation was the higher goal. I said, 
okay, do you want to meditate well the following day? Do you want that quality of meditation the following day to be higher, right? And do you, do you enjoy it? Do you f- find value in it? Yes, I find value in it, right? And so this process went on for many months. And then eventually, today, completely dispassionate towards wine, right? I, I don't drink it. I haven't, done, I haven't had a glass in two years. Um, and when people drink around me, it doesn't even bring up that desire, even, even the slightest one. But what I'm saying is it removed it from the weeds, removed it from the, uh, from the, um, uh, from the soil, if you will. Right? So desires cannot be willed away. It has to, it, so you find another reason to, uh, so that's the discrimination part of it. Now you can apply this to anything. I, I know here was a very small, mundane mis- like uh, example here. But then if you apply it to something else, like I want a, a certain promotion or a certain other thing or whatnot, that we are, or, a, or a house or, I mean, I remember being, um, you know, bothered by the fact that at some point when, before I bought this house, for, I was searching for a house for two years. I think Rajesh, you may uh, account, you know, it might be very similar you, since you went through this. It, it was very hard. And at some point, you know, I, I wish I knew this, right? Then I didn't have to quote unquote suffer at that point. Um, but applying this kind of discrimination helps. And that discrimination, discrimination leads to dispassion. I mean, I was able to connect it to uh, uh, something simple, but still, um, you know, I just thought I'll share it here. Well said. I've got two hands raised here. Alpana, Ajay. Ajay, you go ahead first. Yeah, no, I just wanted to uh, just further dwell on the point around Vairagyam. And, uh, you know, Vairagyam, ha- you know, why do, what is the challenge? I mean, the question that I've been sort of mulling over is what is the challenge in getting, being dispassionate or, or, or developing this passion? And, you know, just listening to kind of various lectures, I mean, you realize there are two sort of fundamental issues. One is that we, we still have self-doubts, right? You know, we've heard about the, the ultimate sort of self-realization and goal of who am I, but there is self-doubt and that self-doubt will require Shravana Manana Vidhyasana. So that's that's a that's a process. But equally we are also captive to our vasanas, right? And the vasanas will not go away in a hurry. It's a bit like it's a bit like uh, you know a flower. You can take the flower out of the room but you can't take the fragrance out immediately. It takes time, right? So this passion will come through continuous uh, practice of, of uh, Shravana Manana Nidhasana on one hand, and how do you remove your vasanas? You do that through Kagmiya. So, I mean, I was trying to kind of connect the dots of what is it that requires, what gets you to Vairagyam, which will ultimately take you to self-realization at some point, hopefully. Uh, and the other point I wanted to make was that, you know, there's an interesting sort of uh, phrase that I read somewhere that, you can quieten your mind through meditation, right? How do you quieten your intellect? You quieten your intellect through vairagya. And, and uh, you know, because the intellect is innately a questioning uh, thing. It will always ask you questions because it is intelligent, right? If you remember the, the, the nursery rhyme, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what I am. There's always a question, right? And Vairagyam then takes you to a point where you say, you get to the answer or you, it leads you to inquiry around self-knowledge, which is the ultimate sort of question, if you will. 
and all the other questions then become uh, either less important or it actually answers all the worldly questions as to why am I here, right? I am I am the ultimate Atma or Brahman. So I am kind of quite fascinated by this whole Vairagyam and how it connects, you know, the different yogas moving from from Karma Yoga to Jnana Yoga to maybe ultimately uh, enlightenment. So. You know, the whole Vairagyam, you know, <laughs> I remember reading, you know, talking about it in Tattva Bodha back in July last year, about a year back. But I think these three or four shlokas have given it an entirely different perspective. Well said. If, so, if I may jump in now, just to add to Ajay's point, I'm sorry. Um, other thing that I heard was basically about, you know, Vairagyam actually leads, converts binding desires to non-binding desires. Yes. I, I just want to point that no, out. Actually, yeah. Alpana? I just had a couple of points. One was around that yoga karmasu kaushalam. There it is not skill in doing the action, but the skill is making that action which is not binding. So exactly what Kishore was saying. So I just wanted to clarify that yoga karmasu kaushalam doesn't mean skill in doing the action. It is yeah. making any action karma yoga. Karma yoga. The attitude, basically. Yeah. Correct. The skill in skill in in utilizing that attitude, or, or while doing the work, is the point. Not the actual skill in doing the work. Correct. Yeah. So I just wanted to highlight that. Then just a couple of more things, if we have time. One was, uh, it's I've written it in Hindi, but I'll try to translate it. What is the karma fal tyag mean when we say that we should renounce the 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 result? It means that karma janya fal ki icha, which is you know, whatever outcome is. So not having desire. So that's one part of it, I think, which we all understand. The second is Kamna. So have renouncing the desire of having, you know, whatever that action is. Then Mamta is that it is my action which is leading to that outcome. So that part. And then Vasna. Vasna is uh, having getting really attached to the outcome. So all those four aspects actually cover the complete uh, renounce of action. And then just one more point was, we've been talking that, you know, we shouldn't do selfish act, but the self-realization is, it sounds very selfish. And I think we had discussed it earlier also, but uh, um, just to read it out, you know, again from Swami SPG's lecture, moksha is not selfish because it is not for this body or mind, because this body and mind will never get liberated. What you will realize is everyone is, is liberated. So moksha, that's why, is never considered as a selfish desire. And then all yoga path, they should be practiced um, because they balance out each other. Uh, bhakti may lead to sentimentalism. Karma yoga may lead to externalism. You may become popular, etc., etc. Meditation may make you selfish. Um, because you always want your peace of mind because you've tasted that, so you may become a little bit more selfish. And jnana yoga may make you lead to, uh, jnana yoga may lead to intellectualism. I can beat anyone in the argument. So that's why, you know, if you do all these yogas together, they balance out each other. So I thought I'll just, just read it out. Thank you, Alpana, for that. I think we probably, you know, crossed the time today. Um, you know, we, we have, I'll, I'll, I'll post it. You know, we, we, we have uh, Vidya in the group and we are getting the Vidya and we have Vivek in the group. We're getting the Vivekam 
because of that and uh, you know hopefully i mean none of us are named vairagyam here but hopefully you know <laughs> we all can call ourselves as vairagis at some point of time or the other <laughs> so great <laughs> where rest will follow <laughs> well i'll tell you what i know i know somebody called advait and and uh, you really want to run away from that person um so so don't go by these names they they can be horribly wrong <laughs> all right so with that uh, you know nice laugh i think uh, the shlokas for next week you know next week the shlokas are going to be a little tough for us to and we probably will have to spend a little time so my request would be that we do 54 55 and maybe 56 to read 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 it read at the back but i think we probably will have to go through all these things you know in a loop i would say so let's let's do 54 55 56 for next week okay and and may may just reiterate that if if you most of you get the chance please do watch that nothing but the truths um and if you if everybody feels like it i, I would love for a discussion in this group on that of course i've posted it on the group so that i remember that movie <laughs> myself <laughs> The rest of the things you know i don't remember uh, what we discussed but uh, movies i will not forget okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right so with that let's probably get to our concluding prayer om sarve bhavantu sukhinah sarve santu niramayah sarve bhad पश्यंतु श्रीगुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओ थैंक यू सो मच एवरी वन मे ऑल ऑफ यू हैव अ ब्लेसड डे एंड सी यू अराउंड नेक्स्ट वीक Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 B